Welcome to Box Out Banter. I'm Chris Okamura. Joining me as always, Jordan Christmas. How's it going, Jordan? It's uh, good that we are recording this podcast now at this time because uh, the Sixers are playing the Pistons right now without Joel Embiid. And even with better players, the team is still a dumpster fire when he doesn't play and we're getting destroyed right now. So (laughs) I'm just, I knew we were going to lose today, but I'm ready ahead for our big showdown on Wednesday, by the way. The Sixers and the Lakers are playing each other. So I kind of figured this would be an L. Embiid wouldn't play, but it's still, this team is awful (laughs) when he's not playing so i'm glad we're recording this podcast yeah so i do i do want to get into some ben simmons talk because I, I i have some questions for someone that watches the sixers way more than i do but first before we get into anything like that i do to start on like maybe a little bit of a downer but you know just some reminiscing uh kobe tomorrow is one year anniversary for uh all of the kind of madness that started off 2020 last year yeah. And uh, I was one trying the... to talk to my wife. Oh, oh sorry, what were you saying? I was saying it was it it's one of those his death was one of those like I remember exactly everything that happened and with that entire day. Like I remember yeah, every, like, I know that every day, single Yeah. That day's so clear to me and it's something that like I was trying to explain to my wife because my wife isn't a sports person at all. Yeah. And and really like I'm her only introduction to any kind of thing sports related. And so to me, and I don't know how you feel about this. And again, I know I don't want to like lessen the significance or make this as significant, but it felt so much to me, like how I felt and not like during nine 11 of just like the world stopped for me. Yeah. And was just like, it's all I could think about. I knew exactly what was going on that day. Yep. Like I still remember it so clearly. And mm-hmm. stuff of just like, I don't know if I've ever been hit by something that hard. Because I mean, even nine eleven was something where it's like I was I was in the fourth grade. So how old was I? I you know probably like ten. Mm-hmm. I remember and, I remember that day vividly too. Yeah, and I remember well talking about nine eleven. Well, like as, a, I, as a kid, like I was in yeah. fourth or fifth. Yeah, I was in fifth grade when that happened. Yeah, so I was like nine or ten, and so I remember that day just kind of being like uh unaware like not unaware of what was happening but just kind of like you know you're a kid you don't have a full scope of what's going on right yeah so like i remember so much about that day and i remember thinking i remember watching on tv and being like what am i watching me too yeah where i i just couldn't grasp it it was like a, it then, was like a movie it was like because at that point you're like watching you know you have you're consuming a bunch of stuff that's made for kids right and that felt like a movie that was happening in real life. That was the first time where it was like, wow, this is some like this basically when I say movie, I mean like stuff you don't expect to happen (laughs) like in real life. And it just happened right in front of your face, you know? Yeah. It's definitely, it it, it, it was just one of, it was one of those surreal moments, I guess is what I'm trying to get at. The surrealness of it is what I still remember as a kid, but uh, yeah. Yeah, it was a. It's pretty insane to think about. And so, like, I remember with Kobe, it was such a weird thing because so my, again, my daughter. I think we we talked about this. So my daughter goes over to her my in laws' place on Mondays. So I remember. So Monday, like Tuesdays, are kind of my day to sleep in and and kind of rest up because I don't have a screaming 
four or five year old with me. And so it becomes a day where it's like I, I can just relax and then she'll come home later in the afternoon. And so I remember sleeping and my dad comes over and my dad never wakes me up. My dad's the kind of person that's like very like he he feels like sleep is the most important thing that you can do with, with your like with your body and like rest up and all that kind of stuff. So he's very uh, cognizant of sleep and like letting people sleep and, and getting their rest. And so my dad rushes in and he wakes me up and I was like, and again, all that being said, when my dad wakes me up, it's like, you know, what, you, when you like, wake up, you know, immediately something's wrong, you know? Yeah. I'm like, so when he woke me up and I saw it was him and I was like, what's going on? What happened? And he goes, Kobe died. And then my first question was Kobe who? Yep. And he goes, Kobe, Kobe. And I go, no, what? And it hit me. And I immediately like launched across my bed to grab my phone and immediately looked it up and I was just scrolling for what seemed like two hours mm-hmm. and it was it was stuff like man I was scrolling through and I was tearing up and I was crying and I was like this isn't real it can't be real and then I don't know if you remember there was the, the time a period of time where we thought Rick Fox was on the plane yep yeah and, and so, I know and I know you you've worked with uh, Rick before and stuff like that. Yeah, so I, I know Rick and yeah. I know Kyle, his son. And so I was calling them and I was like, "Is this real? Are you okay?" And of course, Rick didn't answer the phone. Kyle didn't answer the phone, and I was just like, "I don't know what's going on." Yeah. So now, is- after not them not answering, you're probably your mind's just racing even more at that point. Yeah, and I, I guarantee, and you know, it's I, it's not just me. It's a lot of people that were yeah, doing that. Yeah, and, of course. Yeah, of, yeah. You know the, it was just such a shock. And again, something else I was trying to explain to my wife was the the rest of that day. I've never, I don't know how it was up in up north, but like in LA, I've never seen the city like that before. Well, I was in LA, so um, oh, okay, I, at the time, like I wasn't living there. So here, if uh, if you hey, were give me your rundown, so here's my so it was. It, it was that weekend I went up to I went down to Anaheim. I live in Sacramento. I went down to Anaheim to uh, see Motion City Soundtrack and hang out for the weekend with my best friend Alex. Uh, Motion City Soundtrack was on tour again after taking like a five year hiatus. So we jumped on the opportunity immediately months ahead of time, had it planned out and everything. And so I went up there that I went up there that Friday. Yeah, that Friday. Saw the concert, hung out Saturday, um, uh, just in L.A. and Anaheim, and then th- we stayed at an Airbnb. And uh, my buddy Alex needed a, you know, a ri- a train ride on Sunday to go back to uh, his home to go back to. Uh, I'm trying to remember which part of L.A. he lives in, but he needed a train to go back home. So I dropped him off at Union Square um, that Sunday morning. It was around like. 10 30 or 11 and i was gonna drive home i had like a six hour drive ahead of me so i'm about in 30 minutes into driving and i see a text from alex my friend that i drop off and is he just said kobe and i was like okay it was just a one word he just sent like kobe (laughs) exclamation question mark and i was like okay and so i'm like driving and you know like it's real when friends and people you know who don't watch sports start texting you 
And so yeah. some of my frat brothers started texting me that I know don't give a damn about sports. And they were just like, yo, what's going on with this Kobe stuff? So I was like, okay, wait, what the fuck is going on? So I pulled over to the side of the road. Um, I pulled over to the side of the road on the highway. I'm looking through, I'm scrolling through Twitter. Thank God, I, or not thank God, but I was, luckily for me, I was in a spot where Wi-Fi wasn't dead. So my, so I was scrolling through Twitter and I see the TMZ Twitter link. They're like, Kobe dies in a helicopter crash in Calabasas. And I sat there for 10 minutes, 15 minutes, trying to process what the hell I'm reading. I'm like going through, everybody's confirming it. Woj confirmed it. I remember seeing the tweet from Woj as well. And then rumors started flying around about like, like you said, like Rick Fox was on the plane. Uh, some of Kobe's, you know, uh, athlete uh young athletes he was coaching and her the athletes parents were on the po- it's like facts are or not facts but information's just flying in right and you don't know what's what and but i remember i was sitting there in the car for like 15 minutes like p- trying to process what the hell i just read right and so then i'm driving home for like 5 or 6 hours i'm wondering what the hell's going on um i i'm trying to like you know process it all i stop at a gas station about midway through my trip and there's like four or five people they have kobe jerseys on and laker gear on and they're filling up their cars and they're just like dude they were they were like shook they were some uh one of them was crying i remember and the other one was looking at me like dude like i felt like i lost like a member of my family and this was i wasn't even in la at this point i was at a vallejo or a valerio gas station like off the 99, right? Yeah. And I remember I made it home to Sacramento by the end of the day. Um, I, w- I was listening to Bill Simmons' emergency podcast that he did with Chris Ryan about it. And I, want- I needed to fill up again so I can make the last 30 minutes of my trip back home. And I walked into an AMPM, and the Pelican-Celtics game was going on that night. And I remember... There was a there was a big TV in the AMP and I walked in and the game was on and at the bottom of the ESPN thing like on the left hand corner there was like this big like Rip Kobe uh from uh, 1978 to 2020 and my brain could not process anything I read and then I got home and I basically I I grew up hating the Lakers although I loved watching Kobe admittedly even though it was fun rooting against him and I was I. I cried. I'm not even a Laker fan. And I started like, I started crying because, you know, you're obviously you have a more deeper connection with Kobe because you're a Laker fan, but we're both huge basketball fans. We played the sport growing up. We watched it growing up. We have our heroes from that sport growing up. And Kobe, Tim Duncan, Vince Carter, T-Mac, Iverson, and then of course transitioning into the mellow LeBron Wade, Chris Bosh era, like those were the players we grew up watching, right? And had cemented us as basketball fans. And Kobe was a large part of that. And it hit me. So it was, it was a wild day. And I honestly, I still can't process it to this point because so much shit happened in the week, days and weeks and months after Kobe's death that I couldn't even process it. Like I remember when Michael Jackson died and the world stopped and it like took us like a good week and a half to process um yeah 
what happened, especially for like pe- people that are like my parents' age and stuff like that who grew up listening to Michael Jackson. I don't even think we had proper time to grieve or even process like he's it's still weird to say like he's gone. I still talk about him in present tense and I still watch his highlights, you know? And yeah. Yeah. It was a, it was a shitty day for sure. It was a, it was a tough day. Uh, and I couldn't imagine you being a Laker fan and everybody in LA. Like I went back to Anaheim a month later for DreamHack, And, um, I took a, I took a, I took an Uber from LAX to my friend's house and we literally had an hour-long conversation about Kobe his life as a Laker fan his sons grew up Laker fans there were Laker flags everywhere when we were driving on the highway like big Kobe flags like hanging up off of construction cranes and shit and you could just feel the devastation it was it's a day I'll never forget yeah I mean the thing was let's try again try to explain to my wife where it's such a different thing. And again, I the, I can't think of any athlete, and I don't think we'll ever see any athlete that had a connection to a city like Kobe did. And I can't explain it. Mm-hmm. Kobe to LA was such a different thing than any other athlete. We watched him grow up. We were with him through all this stuff. Like, I, I remember I... When I was... One of my best friend is a kid that moved here from I forget where he moved from, but he was he moved here in the third or fourth grade and he was a new kid and you know kind of a loner. Uh, and the only reason I started talking to him was because the first day of school he came in a Kobe jersey and we bonded over that and we bonded over Kobe and we bonded over all that stuff. And it was a thing where it's like, oh, like that when I when he first when I first heard he was the first person I texted and he go and you know, we had to talk about it and we talked about like, yeah, that's why we met. That's how we, it's because of Kobe. It's because of all that. It's because of bond. It's because of love for Kobe. Right. Yeah. Um, and like at any interaction I've had in LA with Laker fans, like the, I've, I've walked into some of the scariest neighborhoods imaginable <laughs> right? in, in Los Angeles. And like my, it freaks my wife out too. Cause I'll, I'll walk into like Compton or like, you know, and I'll walk into like some sketchy areas with, uh, and she's like, why aren't you freaking out? And I was like, or why, like, why are you like so calm? I was like, dude, I got this Laker hat on. I was like, we're good. <laughs> I was like, cause the thing is like, I walked into neighborhoods like that and like had some amazing interactions with people. And like played basketball with people in some of those neighborhoods. And it's like, yeah, dude, when you're a Laker fan, like, yeah, it's a dangerous neighborhood. And like you should but like there's people there that are genuinely just good people. Yeah. And like if they and as soon as you have that connection with people, like it the Laker connection in LA is such a, a different thing. And it's so funny when I was thinking about the whole Clipper marketing campaign last year, where their whole remember the whole marketing campaign last year was like we're the kings of LA. Yeah, it, I forgot. Wow, I forgot. I saw a stupid billboard when I uh, when I drove down to Anaheim the first time that weekend. It was it was some crazy. It was a Paul George Kawhi billboard, giant one, and it, it was it the rerun the city. Yeah, rerun rerun the city. Yep, that's what I was trying to find. Figure remember what the slogan yeah, was, yeah. but it was rerun. So we've seen, yeah. So that was their whole marketing campaign last year yep. of like we're the new team of LA, like all this stuff. And it makes me laugh, right? And it, it's kind of the funny thing of like, 
they honestly like even if the Lakers could be bad for the next decade, but it's the connection that they have with the city that's we literally just saw it early in the 2010 decade when the Lakers were dog shit, especially post Achilles Kobe, and the Clippers were still, I guess, whether you how you view the Lob City Clippers, especially at the tail end of that era, they were still a good playoff team or a, a yeah. contender for a conference finals, and it's still a Laker town. Nobody gave a shit. <laughs> like, yeah. And like so that was such a funny thing to me to look at and go like wow. It and and the Kobe Kobe's death was such a thing where it really I, showed that like Right, I I know it's a Lakers town. I know what this what Kobe meant to the city. But I didn't I I think even I underestimated that, right? Yeah. And it's such a it's such a crazy thing to think about of of what it was. It's I think it's a combination of like his connection to the city and like him coming in at 18 and we watched him become a man and become a father and become just a leader and all this stuff. Right. And like the, an advocate for women's sports and like all this stuff. I think like that's where a lot of people don't understand like how much he did for women's athletes and being a, like, you know, the hashtag girl dad stuff. And for me having a daughter, like that was another yeah. thing for me to have him as a hero. Right. Yep. And and a, and a role model to look at, mm-hmm. and so you know from the time I was, what five or six years old, like he's been my hero and sort of the, the the, yeah the person I look up to, and it's like the thing where, someone put it best. I think it was maybe in Paul Pierce or Stephen A. Smith. Someone said that you know the Laker or the when Kobe's death, the world lost a legend, but the L.A. lost a superhero. Yeah. Like, and it's such a different thing. It's a different thing in LA than it is anywhere else. And again, I'm not downplaying his effect on the rest of the world, but like his impact on the city of Los Angeles is so like, you could feel it was, you could feel it. The whole city was down. Uh, flower shops were giving out flowers for free downtown. Yeah. I remember seeing a tweet from, uh, I think it was Zach Schwartz. Uh, yeah. He, he tweeted about, <laughs> I worked with Zach. <laughs> <laughs> and so you, so you saw the tweet then where he was like, I, he was going to give money to the florist for yeah. flowers for, and she was like, no, she, she didn't, she didn't take his money and she gave him purple and uh purple and gold flowers to, for, yeah. uh, to put, uh, I'm a, I, yeah, by the staple center where there was like, and that's the other thing too. Like it really, I we really cannot underscore. Like for me, his like it, all parts of his of this was shitty. But like seeing how the city mourned and honored him and stuff, so, it really illustrated that it it was a Kobe and Lakers town for me. Like that was just a back of my mind thought. Like you just brought up, like they like the Clippers could not like that was where i was like okay like any talk about like the clippers ruling la or whatever like that just like we could put that to rest for the rest of our lives like the the city lost a legit superhero like paul pierce said and for us as basketball fans we lost a pillar of nba history like no matter because you know kobe's such a polarizing basketball player is he overrated is he underrated whatever whatever you cannot mention you cannot talk historically about basketball without bringing up Kobe Bryant. That's just that's point blank period. I think everybody in the Kobe discourse can at least agree on that. And we absolute we lost a we lost a pillar. Uh 
And I'm sure for you as being a father of a daughter, like the fact that he lost uh, Gianna, that Gianna was perished in the plane too. And she was gone. That just broke my heart. And yeah. um, Remember, know, the original report was that all three girls were with him. Yeah. That was the other thing too. Like you, so much stuff was flying around at the time. I wasn't sure who else was on the plane. It, I knew there were, seven uh i knew there were seven others that everybody was mentioning but it was like anywhere from like all three his whole family whatever like there was just so much misinformation flying around and once you get the concrete facts and what's starting to come out it just it, it was already heartbreaking but you're just you're the pit of your stomach is just widening into this is black hole of just uneasiness and yeah sorrow and you know so and the thing, the thing that I was talking about, it, it might be a little morbid to talk about, and it might be something that's like, I shouldn't say it, but still, it to me, it's such a calming is the wrong word, but it it, it gives me some peace of mind or whatever that if they both had to go, that they went together. Yeah, some yeah, because, some people have mentioned this before. I think Kobe's wife. Vanessa said that at the uh when they had the memorial at Staples Center uh with when they had that remember. that huge memorial it was like it was yeah. February 24th um yeah yeah and she and she said and she basically said the same thing like cuz you hear about how Gianna is so much like Kobe more mm-hmm. than the other dot, and you see it, and on you saw it in her games too. When you saw clips that were surface around the internet, man. she had the fadeaway, and she when whenever like you just see her like standing around with when teams are shooting free throws or whatever, like during the game, and she's standing there. She has that Kobe face of just like she had the cope the Mamba face of focus, like yeah. she was just locked in, and it's like goddamn, that is a spinning spitting image of Kobe right there, you know? It is. And it's a, so, yeah, it does give me a little bit of peace of mind to know that, like, she's with him. She, she's with him, right? Yeah. Um, I know what you're saying. And so, like, you know, they, that that's that's if there's any kind of like thing to take away from that, I think it's I think that's kind of a, a thing. Yeah. Um, but kind of like turning it, getting away from that stuff. So Ben Ben Taylor put out the you know thinking basketball put out his Kobe greatest peaks today. Um, oh di- oh oh i need to uh i haven't been on youtube much today so i didn't see that drop yeah so he he put that out today and um just talking about kobe as a as a player i think that was part of it too of not only did la watch him grow up and la watched him you know be a man and be and do all these things like we were talking about but on the floor kobe came around at kind of the perfect time where with YouTube and social media and the highlights, like all of Kobe's sort of Kobe had the coverage of his entire career that like Jordan and magic and bird didn't really have. Right. Mm -hmm. When you you think about like the minute to minute, like everything he did was every day to day dissect everything. Right. Yeah. And so, you know, Kobe, the the mystique around Kobe, like dude, when you throw when you throw a basket when you throw away trash, <laughs> and in you, a wastebasket, you, you say Kobe. Yeah, you shoot anything, you yell Kobe, right? And like that sort of his cultural impact is so huge. Just the way um, you say it too, Kobe, Kobe. <laughs> uh, you know, and and so yeah, I think him on the basketball court 
It's such a unique thing. Wait, wait, too, wait, to wait, wait. Before, just to, I wanted to bring some light levity, but it's it's relevant. Yeah. Do you want to tell the story about how you uh, you didn't give a lecture, but you oh. sternly <laughs> you sternly worded to a kid that's not how you shoot a paper yeah. ball into a trash so, can. <laughs> so we were at the we were at, I was at the mall with uh with my family, and uh, again, my wife's not a sports person at all. And there's these like. I want to say like 13 14 year old kids walking through the mall you know as kids do causing yeah. a ruckus right and so one of them throws away a paper like a like a wrapper of something and throws it in the trash can and yells steph right <laughs> and like and it goes away and i walked over there and i was like nah you don't do that especially in la you don't do that and he goes, what? <laughs> and i go that's disrespectful and then I, I I looked at one of his friends. I was like, "What do you yell?" And he goes, "Kobe." And I was like, "That's right. That's what's <laughs> up." And I high fived all of them. And the the kid that yelled Kurt that yelled Steph was like, "You right?" And high fived me. And I walked back. And my wife was like, "Why'd you do that?" I was like, "I need to set the. I need to. You, I need to teach the next generation." <laughs> yeah, you need to set the standard. Like we do not say Steph. One, it only works with two syllable names. But yeah, uh, but especially like even like. I'm sure I'm doubt. I wonder how many people like back in the day shouted like Jordan or I'm sure there were some, but like Kobe is like so iconic, you know? Like, yeah. And, Definitely. but yeah, but yeah, that was, just, I just wanted to bring that story on record for the <laughs> podcast. Cause that was hilarious when you told. <laughs> yeah. It, it's, it was one I, it's, you know, it's kind of thing of like, Hey man, there's, there's a pecking order. There's a respect. Steph's yep. the greatest shooter of all time, but he doesn't have that clout yet. Yeah, he doesn't have. He sorry, no. The Kobe already kind of owns his, that corner. <laughs> <laughs> like, sorry, <laughs> nothing replaces that. And like that, that kind of brings to the next point of Kobe. In my opinion, is the greatest like tough shot taker and maker ever. Where you watch some of his stuff, and it comes down to stupid levels of confidence and a high level of skill and a, and a certain bit of cockiness ahead of like, even more so than the confidence, just a little bit of cockiness of like, dude, Kobe would take some of the worst, craziest, most like, what the fuck are you doing shots I've ever seen and nail them. And yeah. it was something where you would just, I would scream at my TV. No. And he'd make it. You go, well, all right. That's okay. And then from like from my end, you're watching Kobe like take these crazy fadeaways. Like a defender will stay down on his pump fake on the block, right? And Kobe's pumping, 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 and the defender just gets closer up into his airspace, and then a double or a third guy will come over, and you're just, and he tries to shoot the shot anyway. And you're watching like, okay, yes, that is exactly what that is exactly the type of shot we want him to take and he makes it and you're just sitting there just like is this dude serious <laughs> like <laughs> like that's what i'll never forget it and i brought it up before on the podcast but like one of my favorite <clears throat> like one of my favorite like memories of kobe was just i was rooting hard for the suns to beat him in the 2010 western conference finals i knew they weren't gonna win but i thought like if they stole a game here or there and make the series weird they could possibly squeeze it out 
um, you know, the Ron Artest airball buzzer beater, or not airball, but he caught the airball and laid it up at the buzzer, you know, swing games like that. So it's game six in Phoenix. The Lakers lose. They go back to L.A. for game seven of that Western Conference Finals. And the Suns were clawing their way back. They were making a run in the fourth quarter. And Kobe hit some of the most stupid shots I have ever seen somebody take. Like, he he hit two fadeaways over Grant Hill. And then the, the last one, it was one of those classic Grant Hill stayed down on Kobe's pump fake. Kobe pumped like two more times and then hits this fadeaway right over him. And... Uh, Right after he makes it, he gave Alvin Gentry a, a pat on the ass, just like, hey, like, you tried to stop me, but good good job, but I'm still that dude. And the Lakers ended up uh, winning that series. Like, I, I mean, I'm, I, like I said, I'm going to have to uh, think about it, but I'm not, it's not like I could sit here and be like, I vehemently disagree with what you said. Like, Kobe is, if you want to talk about best tough shot makers in NBA history, Kobe has to be up there, like. He has to yeah. be at the the very top, or if not like top, anywhere from like the top five, pretty much. Like, yeah, he, and it, it it's it's pretty insane to think about. And the thing that was crazy is Kobe had those he had the ability to make all those tough shots and the like the insane ones. But also, this is something that Jalen Rose brought up. They're of course talking to Jalen Rose about the eighty-one point game, and he brought up a point that I never really thought about before. When you watch the highlights of the 81-point game, they're not really highlights. They're kind of boring because he's yeah, not really doing anything special. He's just hitting everything. And like he's, he, it's, he's, making the, he's making the right play. He's hitting every shot. The th- some it's of the so threes he was making, him. he was coming off like a pin down and stuff like that. Like there were, He was making shots out of sets. And he took a lot of free throws, by the way. That's the other thing. Too. Yeah, they found the shit out of him. He, yeah, <laughs> he shot a bunch of free throws. It wasn't like anything where he was... He made he made a few tough shots here and there. And also, fun fact about that game, Jalen Rose gets roasted for that game, but Mo Peterson actually yeah, got... Yeah, Mo Peterson was the one. Yeah, he got the majority of the buckets, right? But um, he hit some tough shots here and there. But yeah, it was... It just seemed like standard stuff he was he would always shoot and he was just on fire that night. And I didn't watch that game. I remember I was in middle school when this happened. I didn't watch that game. I had I watched it on a I watched it on Sports Center. Uh and then the next day or I watched the highlights on Sports Center and then the next day at school everybody was talking about it. Like everybody. Like, like kids who don't watch basketball kids who were laker fans who had kobe jerseys on like it, it they were talking about it they're just like did you hear he scored 81 i was everybody's just like what <laughs> and he's what he's he's one of the greatest uh, i have him um i have him in my top eight of all time uh he is uh, just like i said i was an avid laker hater growing up growing up i grew up in Bakersfield which is like an hour away from LA so it was a lot of Laker fans weirdly a solid amount of Kings fans too but that that's neither here nor you're in, there you're, um, you're in a weird middle ground there <laughs> yeah yeah it yeah sort of um the valley right there so uh but um I grew like I grew up like at high school like 
me and my friend George, he's a Suns fan, and a lot of his mutual or a lot of his friends are Laker fans. So we'd be arguing at the lunch table every day, just me and George, just and with like three or four Laker fans, just talking shit <laughs> pretty much. And, you know, me arguing like even though I knew the argument was completely wrong, but you know, I'm caping for my boy, Allen Iverson. I was like, Allen Iverson's better than Kobe. And it was at that point where Kobe didn't, uh, he didn't win a four or five at that point. It was before the pow trade. I was just like, yeah, yeah Kobe couldn't win those without Shaq and Allen Iverson's the better score. Like we'd have arguments like that all the time. And I knew I was wrong on like 95% of them, but I still wanted to, you know, argue because I didn't like the Lakers and I and I wanted to argue against Kobe, but I knew Kobe was fucking great and he, he was awesome to watch. And damn it, if there were like there weren't some games where Kobe would do a move and I would immediately go in my backyard on the half court and I would try it, try to do it, right? Try to do it <laughs> and fail, you know. <laughs> like he's a. It just, it, I just, I still can't believe like he's gone, you know. And I was really looking forward to his uh, post-basketball career like yeah he even though like it became a meme and stuff like that when he first started releasing content and stuff like that it, and it wasn't good I was like okay he's just starting and also Kobe's a we we have read me and you have probably read a lot of the same Kobe stuff about like his mindset his mentality how he approaches not just his life on the court but off the court and it's really the same damn mindset. It's like literally that Mamba mentality of like, I'm focusing on this. I'm going to study and pour in all my resources into this. I want to start a media company and and uh, I want to start a media company and affect sports and athletes and try to help them. And he was well on his way to doing that. And I had no doubt he was going to find his niche and be great at at that. Like he was like he found his niche um well not his niche but he was he dedicated himself to being great at basketball I have no doubt he was going to have a great post career as well and it started to bloom that way yeah and like detail is the perfect show for me and you yeah for like I love the nerd. detail clips <laughs> like when he was doing like Jason Tatum breaking down Jason Tatum and stuff like that it's like like yeah, okay, say what you want about like Mamba mentality and all this stuff, whether you that's actually like the the mindset the the whole ethos or the myth around it is whatever you feel about it, like going inside that dude's brain and what hearing him talk about basketball is a fucking treat. And detail was was awesome. <laughs> like you get to hear his mindset about stuff and that was just he, I. It was the content post career was going to be great, and I had no doubt he was going to be great at whatever he set his mind to. Yeah, uh, the thing too that again, if there is a bright side, I love all of the Kobe stories that are coming out. Yep, about like just this the way that he carried himself and the way that he he does things. I mean, like obviously everyone's kind of everyone's seen the Iman Shepard story. Um, that's sort of like a well-known one that happened since Kobe passed mm -hmm. that's come out. Um, the Smush Parker one was it Smush Parker. No, it was Lou Williams. Lou Williams one where he told everyone to take off their shoes 
Yeah, <laughs> yeah. After they got after after a blowout loss, Kobe walked into the locker room. He's like, "Take my shoes off. You don't deserve to wear that shit." <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah, he, he made he made the entire locker room take off whoever was wearing Kobe's take them off. That's some gangster shit, by the way, too. Like, it is. You, if you're at that level now, where your whole team is wearing your shoes, and you could just walk in and be like, "Take that shit off. You don't deserve it." <laughs> it's <laughs> like, so good. Um, have you have you heard the D Wade story from the Olympics? Yeah, where it was the it was the it was the one where D Wade left that night, right? And he was like, "I'll see you tomorrow." And he shows up the next day, and he was like, "When did you go home?" And Kobe was like, "I basically like I didn't." Is that one right? No, dude, this is even better. So he go, they got there to the gym, they go work out, and they go, uh, they all all the whole team goes to work out after they land, they shooting around whatever, and they go to bed. And D Wade tells Braun and Carmelo, "Hey, if like whoever wakes up first, call the other ones, and we'll all go down, get breakfast, and go down work work out again. Like you know, we'll like we'll come with you. Just whoever gets up first, wait call." And so he said he couldn't sleep, so he gets up at like four or five in the morning, calls LeBron, calls Carmelo, and they go down for breakfast. And Kobe's already sitting there eating breakfast with ice on his knees. <laughs> oh and they go, God. they go, "What's up?" And he goes, "Oh, I just I just finished a workout, and I'm about to go do another one after this. You guys want to come with me?" That's that's yeah. The work ethic for Kobe is just it's it's fucking legendary. Like it, it really is. It's like I'm, all the stories you hear about it is, and it's not one of those things where you can kind of smell bullshit from it. It's legit. Like yeah, well, because everyone has the same story. Like, everyone everyone has, has the same story. Sta- everyone has the same damn story. And I hate to do the. I think Bill Simmons, when he comes up with a lot of theories, I think like ninety percent of them are horseshit. But <laughs> there, there is, there is something. I remember him saying something, and he's always made this point. But like in the '08 Olympics, like LeBron, Dwayne Wade, Dwight, like all those guys, they came in the next year into that NBA season better, and the reason why was. Everybody looked at Kobe as the leader yeah. of that Olympic team, and they followed his lead. They learned stuff from him. They learned how hard to work, like with the well, Dwayne Kobe Wade story you were talking about. Jay Kidd too. Um, Chris Paul was Chris Paul as well. Uh, Chris Bosh. Like they learned stuff from Kobe, not necessarily skill wise, but how to work, how efficient to work, when you should work, all that stuff. Learned a, a lot of stuff. From just work ethic-wise, I imagine they gained a lot off of that alone. And they came in the next season. Uh, LeBron, uh, what was it, 2008-9, he had one of the most ridiculous seasons of his career. Dwayne Wade, I think, what got hurt that year um, with the shoulder injury. No, he just came back. He had just came back and had a great Olympics and had a great year that year as well. Dwight Howard was really starting to find his stride, was already the best big in the league at that point, but was solidifying himself as a top player overall. And he made the finals the next year. Yeah, went to the finals the next year. And it just Kobe had an influence on everybody. And like seeing guys like Paul George and Devin Booker that day when they were crying and you know the Suns and the Grizzlies I think played that day too and they did the um we're gonna hold the ball for 24 seconds hold the ball for eight seconds that mm-hmm. the rituals they were doing while they were hold, while the Suns were holding the ball for 24 seconds I remember Devin Booker who idolizes Kobe and I, you've seen a lot of Kobe games there's a lot of shit Devin Booker does that you could tell like he practiced Kobe moves in the backyard growing up right yeah. and 
he was just good, sitting, good or bad. He does those. good or bad, but uh, he was standing there and he was like, his eyes were welling up and I, it, it, it hurt. It hurt all. It, that was the other thing too. It hurt to see people who idolize this guy, people who watch this guy. Cause a lot of these players are our age now. And so they're, Say, I know that hurts to say, <laughs> but they, <laughs> but they they grew up they grew up watching the same players we did, and that's why I guess I felt a hurt for them too. Is like I know I kind of knew what they were going through. Like you can never relate to a professional athlete, right? But in that moment, you can kind of relate to why they were feeling that way. And uh, Kobe had his, like I said many times already, Kobe has had Kobe had his major influence on this game and a game that I love watching um a player that I love watching was just was unexpectedly ripped away from us and it still to this day like it's still hard to process yeah and we talked about it last week about how or a couple weeks ago about how the NBA has been so good about like he's really the first legend to die well David David Stern died a few weeks well, before yeah. that, too. I, I mean, in way. terms of like players and like yeah. icon, like iconic players, like dude, mm. Bill Russell's still alive. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. like you know what I mean. He's, uh, he's still Will- alive, flipping off uh, Shaq at the MVP yeah. awards and saying, "I'll kick all your." Asses. Yeah, like, like you know what I mean. Like we still have when you talk about like guys that built the game, right? Like mm-hmm. Wilt's gone, but we still have Bill Russell. We still have uh, Matt- like Dr. J. Dude, Magic, in, in 1992, Bird. people thought Magic was going to die soon. Like, yeah. HIV at that time was considered a death sentence. And, yeah, and Magic's so still here. It, like, look at all of the NBA, like, pillars and the icons, like we brought up before, of, like, these guys built our game. They're still very active figures in the NBA. Mm-hmm. They're still very, you still see them everywhere. They, you still see still them, around. you still see quotables, all that. Mm-hmm. They're still doing stuff. And, like, for Kobe to be gone now... It's just a very sad thing. Like I would have loved, well, I would have loved to eventually get a Last Dance style documentary on the Shaq Kobe Lakers. And that was the other thing too. He was Kobe the first few years after he retired. He did not give a fuck about the NBA or basketball. He wanted to focus on his own thing. But when his daughter Gianna started playing a lot and he was coaching her. He st- you saw him starting to go to games with her. She went. He went to like he. Inter- you saw him introduce his daughter to Trey Young and Luke Gianna to Trey Young and Luka Doncic, and all, mm-hmm. and he started showing up more and going to games. Because remember, I think it was the year after he retired. The only time the only time he showed up for a game was for his double jersey retirement. Which, by yeah. the way, side note, legendary double jersey retirement. But um, he even then he only stayed for the first half. And I also was the Lakers are getting blown out that day. And I think yeah. I think there was a GIF or a clip of it. But like after, I think it was after somebody airballed or missed a shot, <laughs> the camera just somehow happened to pan over to Kobe, like ushering like his kids out of the stadium like all right it's time to go and i think (laughs) the lakers are getting blown out that night so i think kobe wanted to take an early night off but he was just starting to get back into basketball where he was doing detail and all that stuff and i had a feeling that was i i'm sure when he first retired he wasn't thinking his post-career content was going to be about basketball i think he said himself he wanted to kind of separate himself from that but when his kids started getting into it uh I don't have kids, but I imagine you you would know. But like when kids get into stuff or have an interest in stuff, as a parent, you want to facilitate that. 
as to the best of your abilities. And Kobe started to getting back into the sport that we all love and that he loved for a long time. He still loved it, but he got back into it because of his daughter. And that, that was the other shame of it too. It was just, he had so, there was so much ahead, you know? Yeah. I think that's kind of the saddest part. Um, do you have anything else you want to bring up about Kobe before we get into like my Ben Simmons questions? Um, other than the fact that Kobe was a legend, and even though I rooted, I still root for the against the Lakers. Um, <laughs> Kobe was still one of my favorite players to watch, and he, I still watch highlights of him. And there's just nothing I more that I have to say about than other than he's an iconic legend, and it just it. It just sucks, you know. That's all yeah. I have to say, really. Yeah, it's I echo every sentiment. It's a, uh, it's a sad thing, and it's hard. It's still hard to process. I still haven't really come to grasp, comes to terms with it. But uh, yeah, you but know. uh, hit me with your uh, hit me with your Ben Simmons questions. I I think I'm ready. Okay. To, uh, <laughs> so <laughs> to I answer this like... to the best of my ability. So again, I've I'm I don't watch too many Sixers games. I've watched quite a bit just because just. As a as an NBA kind of geek, I've watched quite a bit of them, but we keep expecting Ben Simmons to like take this jump and this leap. Has he gotten better at all in the last like three years? So, I mentioned this before, but I did a podcast on my solo podcast, the Sly Hooper podcast, the day after the James Harden trade, and you know I talked about all the teams who won that trade. And then I talked about the Sixers who were presumably, presumably the favorites to land James Harden. Um, and basically what I said, it's turned into a thing about Ben. Cause Ben was the one guy who was seen as the Trump card asset in a Harden trade. I said it before he has basically on offense, at least he has been mostly the same player since his rookie year. And I want to say there have been tiny micro improvements, but if you are expecting Ben Simmons, but that's not what you want if you're expecting Ben Simmons to be, quote unquote, the lead ball handler star on a team. Now, but if you're just looking for improvements on, it's not just, see Chris, it's not just the jump shot with me. Um, The jump shot thing I think is overblown. I acknowledge he needs a jump shot. I just want to be clear. Like that. And I don't want to brush that aside because it's basically saying like, oh, you don't really need legs to walk. (laughs) Right. Like this, this, that obvious, like Ben Simmons needed to shoot, but there were ways for me. There were ways to me that I saw how we could mitigate it. Like it's not just year five of me hoping that Ben Simmons looks at the rim to shoot, let alone attempt one, let alone make one. It's also year five of me hoping Ben Simmons is a better finisher with his left hand. I think his touch is actually horrendous around the basket. Um, His his right hand, he's better with it, has better touch with it, but it's still, he has to do weird flip shots and stuff like that. He never uses his left. He still doesn't. He's still, for the most part, a subpar free throw shooter. There was like a month last year before um, his initial back injury where there was like a month and a half where he was averaging like 22, 7, and 8, and he was getting to the free throw line at an insane rate, and he was making a good amount of his free throws, and I'm like, that's the Ben Simmons that I want to see. And it just hasn't happened consistently for me. Now, I want to say he's still 
I still want to say he is a star player. He's not a superstar player. And I think some of his offensive struggles this year is not what he actually is. Um, I think he could be, I think he could be better, but there, I think I'm at the point now where we have to start quit. I'm at the point now where I'm not so sure the ceiling's there for him to improve as a half court ball handler in the half court teams don't guard him. They don't even, they don't even look at him when he's at the three point line and Going back to the jump shot thing, it's you could tell it's a mental thing. Because, like, if he wanted to shoot, he could just shoot. The star players can have the mindset of scoring or doing whatever with the ball whenever they want to, right? And, like, even LeBron, when he wasn't a good shooter early in his career, he still took shots. Like, I just wish Simmons would just not care about that and would just let it fly sometimes, even if it's a bad shot. But also... I acknowledge he's probably never going to be a passable shooter because he still shoots with the wrong hand. And I don't mean to be Kevin O'Connor here, but he still shoots with the wrong hand. Um, He practices it all the time and doesn't attempt it in games still in year five, which is infuriating to me. And I can't help but wonder when I see James Harden dropping 30 point triple doubles, fat as hell, even after a trade on a new team, I can't help. But look at that every time I'm just like, damn, did we miss a chance? Because who knows if Ben Simmons will prove me wrong. If he stays this way, that's a top 15 to 20 player. Um, but the problem is he can't be your second best guy on a championship team because we don't have a half-court perimeter score. And that's always going to be the issue now with this team. Because um, now it seems like we're going to keep him for the long haul, which good. I'm all for keeping good basketball players. But what's the ceiling on this team in the playoffs? Especially what if Joel Embiid has another... Nick or an injury right before the playoffs you can't rely on Ben Simmons to create in the half court I wish there were just some things about his offensive mindset that I wish would change and it's not just shooting it's going downhill consistently it's going downhill to the rim not to kick out 100% of the damn time go up and attack use your body I know you have terrible touch around the basket, but get some contact. You're a big dude. You're faster than people. You have a really good handle for your size. Get downhill. Um, It's just, he's such a unique and weird player that like you have to fit certain players around him. And the fact that he hasn't been willing to improve his offensive game, like in very noticeable and tangible ways, it's frustrating. And I've, defended Simmons a lot a lot um I think he's a I think he's a he is a really good player but that doesn't mean he's absolved from criticism and I have to sit here and wonder I maybe his ceiling isn't just as high as I thought it would be he's made strides on the defensive end LSU he did not care it's college I don't blame him rookie year he was better than I thought second year he was still the same third year last year he took the leap as a first team all-NBA, possibly Defensive Player of the Year candidate. And that in itself is very special and valuable. But with the way this team is constructed right now and what we need from Ben Simmons, he just hasn't been that. And if it's if it was like something where it was like Brad Beal, Joel Embiid, and Ben Simmons, that's a big three I could roll with. I think Simmons as a third guy or a 2B option is fucking great if you're a contender or a finals contender. But in the role he is in right now, that 
the Sixers have a ceiling as a playoff team. And so I guess that's my long-winded piece on it, but it's definitely been frustrating for sure. Um, but uh, I'm, I'm interested. What are, what are your, what are, what are your observations on Ben Simmons and um, his ceiling later down the line? So like, that's sort of where I'm, you're, you're, you're pretty much echoing everything that I thought. The thing is with me is like, after watching Ben Simmons rookie year, I go, Oh my God, this guy, the ceiling is, I liked him in at LSU. The ceiling is a roof. As Michael. Yeah. I was like, I was like, Holy shit. Cause when you watch him at LSU, even at LSU, you can see the size, the vision, the 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 aggression that he had. He went to the basket with like authority. Oh shit. He's taking a three right now and missed it badly. (laughs) Sorry. That's breaking (laughs) news. I just, I have the game on on my smart TV right now, just on mute. And we're getting blown out. But Simmons just took a corner three and missed it badly. <laughs> yeah. So, like, you know, to me, it reminded me so much. Watching him at LSU and watching his rookie year, it reminded me so much of, like, UCLA Lonzo, where you watch him and you go, holy shit, dude. If this can translate, this can he's going to be a monster. And you watch him, and then you watch Ben in his rookie year, and you go, oh, my God, it's working. He's getting to the basket whenever he wants. Oh, my God, he's passing he's getting he's playmaking at an elite level oh my god and you're like if he just has a like a, a little bit of a jumper and can play defense incredible and then every year goes by and you go okay there's no jumper that's okay he's still doing the things that he was good at like he's still he's still the young he's 22 yeah. at the yeah, second he's year young. he's 22 he's still, the basket. he's still making plays and then you go oh he's attacking the basket less oh he's standing around now Oh, he's now just kind of passing to the open man. He's not like creating. He's just kind of passing around. And you're yeah. like, uh, like he's not doing anything. And I'm like, I'm, I, I just watch him in the half court and I'm like, I'm so confused as to what his purpose is in the half court. Cause he's not, he's not cutting. He's not going to the basket. He's not like driving to the basket and like getting contact or like, collapsing the defense it's amazing for all the shit brett brown got as a coach and i defended brett brown every step of the way i think he is a good coach elite coach okay fine i will he's not that he's he's probably somewhere in the top 12 to 13 but in the half court at least ben simmons would do stuff and i've seen much of the same stuff or not same stuff but i'm seeing less of that here with doc rivers and maybe they're still adjusting um simmons has been playing better recently but like yeah, in the half court, like, Simmons would screen, he would cut, he would do stuff. Sixers didn't run much pick and roll, but, like, he's, Brett started incorporating that more at, towards the end of last year. Like, Simmons was doing more stuff in the half court, and I think it's a combination of defenses figuring out his tendencies now. And um, he's, like you said, like, his playmaking is still great, but he, now he's passing it a lot. Like, it's sort of like in a hot potato way. Like, yeah. Like kind of like what Lonzo did when his three wasn't falling and kind of isn't now this season, unfortunately. We're gonna have to talk about that at some point. Like Lonzo is uh the Pelicans and Lonzo, like I'm kind of uh got my uh eye on them. But like you like you said, like in the half court, Ben Simmons has been largely ineffective and there's stuff that works there's stuff that works but you can't run it consistently because defenses will see it coming because you can defend that stuff like 
if I see one more Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons snug pick and roll on the left block towards the basket, I'm going to lose my fucking mind because it never works. <laughs> it never works. You can't you, like who runs a snug pick and roll with the NBA point guard? No one, <laughs> especially yeah, five I... feet from the basket. It never works. And it's because Simmons doesn't. I don't know what it is from like practice to the game, but like, because Ben Simmons clearly practices this stuff. He works on his game. Like, there is a lot of firsthand accounts, source, all that stuff. Like, he works on his game, but for some reason, it's between the ears. When he gets on the court, he plays the same way. And it's really bizarre. Like, you have to, like, be like attack the basket attack the basket and there are games where he'll do it for a stretch and then not do it again or he'll take one three and be like all right i took my three can everybody shut the fuck now shut the fuck up about it now and he won't take another one for two months it's that type of stuff and it just it just feels like every time i watch him i go i come i walk away from the game lower on ben simmons than i was when i first like when i first sat down yeah it's the ceiling thing yeah, and I go, man, he like if he doesn't get any better, he's like you said, he's still a great player, but he's not like the potential Hall of Famer like superstar guy that I thought he could have been. Yeah. Like I got years Sixer ago. fans so excited. Like yeah, a I'm, ball I'm, handling six ten guy. Yeah. He reminds it's it's just the kind of thing of like wasted potential where I'm like, man, I see so much more in you. <laughs> Yeah, like, there's no, like, I've always said, like, the comparison to Giannis and Ben is always dumb, because one, just off finishing around the rim alone, Giannis is historically great, and can finish, and it can actually use both hands around the rim, so that comparison just stops right there, but in terms of passing and handle, like, there's some Giannis facsimile stuff that Ben Simmons can do, like as terms of just being a big terror in transition and you know being a more naturally gifted passer and ball handler where like you said you see this and you're just like wow this guy has if he could just work on some other parts of his game to help raise the floor of what he's already good at like this dude is going to be on track for like a hall of fame career and look it's the basketball hall of fame so like he could definitely do the Andre Iguodala or something like that <laughs> right but we're talking about like when me and you are talking about hall of fame we're talking about we're like all-time greats you know yeah and again like we're putting him in like rarefied air but i think he has that talent and the thing again where i watch him i go man i don't if you i don't know what it, what it is with him where i go i i just don't see it in him as, like I did before, like all of my excitement and all of like the possibilities when you watch him and you're like, oh, my God, the possibilities are endless. And then the more you watch him, you just go like, yeah, no, it's like how I feel about Giannis this year, too. I feel like Giannis every year I watch Giannis, I go, OK, well, he still hasn't learned how to do anything, really. <laughs> yeah, he's mm-hmm. just, he's just being athletic and like being uh, like high energy athletic guy they're using and then like the coaching staff I think is using him around the rim more and stuff so it's like not even it's the coaches putting him in more different spots too and yeah stuff like that like yeah. I don't feel like Giannis has grown as a basketball player I just feel like he's just he's just doing stuff and like 
other people have echoed this too. I'm, I don't think I'm the only one that that thinks this, but like I don't, I don't think Giannis is a skilled basketball player. <laughs> yeah, like, we've talked about that. Yeah, <clears throat> I just, I like, I just think he is obviously a physical and athletic freak of nature, but I don't think he's necessarily like I don't, I wouldn't pick him as like if you put if we had this talk the uh, last week with the skilled basketball player thing, but like if you had. If you took every NBA player and you put them in the same body and gave them the same tools and was just like, cool, using your basketball skill and intelligence, play five on five. I think Giannis is one of the worst players on the court at that point. Yeah, um, I would say, yeah, he's not he's not he's like an average passer. Not a not a great one. I've always thought his passing was a little bit overrated because. Because he, he collapses the defense, he, he collapses makes so the much defense. It's reason. like the it's the it's, it's the Russell Westbrook thing. People will always say, "Oh, you say Westbrook is a ball hog, but look, he averages twelve assists a game." And I'm like, "Yeah, he gets most of those assists. Like Westbrook's a good passer, but he gets most of those assists because he is literally collapsing the paint with like four dudes trying to stop him. And the yeah. the reads are easy. Like that's just is what it is. And Giannis has been deteriorating from the free throw line. Um, he defenses still don't give a shit if he shoots threes. Like, I don't care if Giannis becomes like a 37% three-point shooter. I don't think defense, defenses will give that up every time, especially in the playoffs. Um, I think defensively, he's very intelligent and deserving of Defensive Player of the Year last year. But as far as skill-wise, yeah, he's not, he's not in the upper echelon of skill, especially relative to star players. And um, that's... That's where, but uh, even then, like going back to Ben Simmons, like there are things that like he has very discernible skills, you know, and if he had just work, if he worked on other parts of that, or maybe, you know, took or maybe just space jammed Giannis's ability to finish with his left hand around the basket like he'd be so he'd be such a better player. Like Ben Simmons to me would it he wouldn't the three pointer the three this jump shot wouldn't bother me so much if he would just get to the line more. That's the thing. His free throw rate is so low for a player of his size. Like that shouldn't happen, you know? And I shouldn't have to be excited about oh look at this two month stretch where Ben is dominating, you know, like from the free throw line. Like there's just stuff that is like low-hanging fruit stuff that you can clearly see Ben needs to work on and it's been anywhere from non-existent to micro and that part's frustrating for sure yeah totally agree I just wanted to bring it up because I was watching I forget what game I was watching but I was watching and I was just like man I don't know what his purpose is if he's not in transition <laughs> I don't know I don't know what he's doing because it just looks so stagnant it looks like they're playing four on five in the half court yeah it's yep. so frustrating and I was like, I'm not even a Sixers fan, and this is frustrating to watch. I can't even oh, imagine. Trust me. <laughs> Dude, trust me. Like, especially now that the Harden trade is done and finished, whenever Ben has a bad game, Sixers Twitter is gonna go off. Like they Philly fans in general are ruthless. Sixer fans are ruthless, but Ben's been getting it this year. And now that the Harden trade's fall fallen through, or now that the Harden trade's done, he's been playing better. So they haven't been on his case as much. But the first time Ben Simmons has a bad game, and it might be tonight, honestly, <laughs> especially now that Embiid's not playing tonight, they're going to rip him to shreds. And 
that you know that you you the frustration is palpable <laughs> yeah um I, I can I can only imagine after watching it myself and I can only imagine if I was a, a big time Sixers fan how I'd feel but uh like if it, like if your best player is gone and you're and you're the second star on the team right I shouldn't have to just automatically chalk that up as a loss you know yeah like if that was Harden and not even Harden if that was like Bradley Beal like at least we'd have a fighting chance like you have to construct specifically around Simmons and his skills, but also his flaws. And um, when Embiid's gone, like, the second star is supposed to be – he's supposed to be the guy's like, all right, don't worry. I'll, you can have comfort in knowing – the fan base can have comfort in knowing that we have a shot tonight. And it's the fucking Pistons. Yeah. <laughs> and we're getting yeah. destroyed. And it's like, that's that type of stuff. And, you know, then Ben will have a great game – or like a stretch and you're just like can you please do this more like he's had good playoff games too he just doesn't yeah i've went on long enough but you get my frustrations <laughs> I, I i opened up pandora's box on that one but yeah no i uh totally see where you're coming from and i understand the frustration all lakers um, all sixers episode how about that <laughs> <laughs> well seeing all eight lakers look so good when they're not bored yeah that it's kind of like I've um I've started watching other teams in the last week or so. I haven't been watching the Lakers as much as I was uh the first few weeks of the uh of the season. Uh but or basically the first month of this season, I or the first two weeks. But I mean, in a way too, like I'm kind of watching other teams knowing that this team is by far they're still the favorite. Um the Clippers I think still need a point guard um to set the table up i know paul george and Kawhi leonard are averaging career highs in assists or assist to turnover ratio whatever it was but i still think you need a point guard right there actually i think lonzo would be perfect for the clippers i was uh, gonna bring that up i think i think lonzo to the clippers and the clippers send over like a three-point shooter yep yeah a fantastic trade i'm i'm I was starting to write up a script today, but I want to do a video on the Pelicans because it seems like my concerns about the Pelicans are coming to fruition, but also more concerns have popped up. Like I'm not sure if David Griffin and Stan Van Gundy are good. <laughs> um, especially the off season Griffin had, I've always thought David Griffin was overrated. I never thought he was a bad GM or anything like that, but I always thought he was overrated in how the media talked about him and praised him like he was one of the top execs in the league. I'm just like, no. Like, Masai Ujiri, Danny Ainge, Daryl Morey. Like, do I need to go on any further? I think he's on the the higher end because there's like a a threshold where, like, you're either really – you're either good or you're terrible. Yeah. Oh, yeah, of course. I'm not saying he's a bad GM, but I just – I. I, I I had already talked to you about like the off season moves that he did that I kind of questioned, yeah. but also Stan Van Gundy, he tried the offensive or the defensive philosophy of the Bucks because you hear Jeff and Stan talk about the Bucks defense all the time about how they just pack yeah. the paint at a historic level and just allow a wide open amount of threes. Well, that's not working, and so they're kind of going back to defending the three point line more, and they 
once again have one of the worst defenses in the, defenses in the NBA, but they have one of the worst offenses in the NBA, and it's they are slow. and they are twenty fifth in pace. Like yeah, it's they, too this slow. this team from one season to the next is completely different and stunting the growth of the youth on the Pelicans. Kira Lewis isn't playing as much as I think he should. Um, and now that Brandon Ingram has seemingly taken another leap, like at this point, I would do everything I can to facilitate the growth of Zion and Brandon Ingram. And I don't, as much as I like Steven Adams as a player, I questioned that fit when the signing happened and I still don't like it. Their offensive rebounding rate is insane, but it doesn't mean anything if they can't score and also they still can't defend. <laughs> and well, like, it's kind I of think- wild. I think it's it comes down to a thing. I like the Stephen Adams signing. I like the way it fits so far. I don't think the issue with Stephen Adams is Stephen Adams. I think it's the oh no pace no. That they play at. I think the problem. I think the problem that they're running into is like they wait for him on offense to play half court, and it's like why? And there's Just not enough shooting too. And run, like it 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 hinders Zion's game and it hinders Lonzo's game. Like I think Lonzo would play. Lonzo Ball would not be struggling the way he is right now if they didn't if they played faster. Yeah, I think that's yeah, I definitely think that's a part of it, and um, I think that's part of the reason why I st- didn't like the Adam signing was because it was like okay, what pace are they going to play at? And um, I think with young players in pace, that's kind of the few things that will help facilitate growth easier because there's more possessions and. You, you just getting getting more athletes running up and down the court is a good thing because then you'll get chaos possessions, scramble possessions where yeah. you you know get open shots. And I definitely think Lonzo would be better. I am starting to get scared for Lonzo though because it. I know it's only been twelve out of fifteen games so far, but he is struggling again. And that was the other thing I was going to mention too. He's a he's the, a famous or he's like an infamous slow starter though. Like he always yeah. ramps up as the season goes. <clears throat> But the thing is, like, I also think that Eric Bledsoe is hurting their offense. That was what I was going to say. The lack of shooting with Eric Bledsoe, who, by the way, Eric Bledsoe isn't playing great defense either, by the way. The whole team isn't. But Eric Bledsoe has stunk up the joint. And, um, like, the thing is, okay, just for theory's sake, if you took Eric Bledsoe out and you put in, like, a Tyrese Halliburton or, like, just a connective piece... That Drew, Drew team, Holiday, <laughs> yeah, Drew Holiday. That team immediately gets like a million times better. Yep. Because the thing with the thing that the Pelicans were so good at last year was that they had so much playmaking and ball movement with Lonzo and Ingram and Zion, where all of them can playmake and dribble to a certain extent and get to a spot and create shots for other people and create. Where then now when you have a ball stopper, full caps in mm-hmm. Eric Bledsoe, it it stagnates their entire offense. Yep, because you uh, can you can see when he go, when he makes a move, there's open <laughs> there's space to like dish and create and do other things. He just forces it to the basket or forces a thing like that. Like you don't get these these nice sequences of offense and it's nice to give the ball to Brandon Ingram a lot during the game but it doesn't mean shit if there's nobody that could space the floor properly like 
There are games this year where Ingram is literally running into like three people in the paint because they don't respect Bledsoe. They don't respect Lonzo as a shooter. Zion doesn't attempt threes. Adam doesn't attempt threes either. Like the starting lineup last year just had so much better shooting. And Derek Favors is a better player in space than Adams is. Um, Not necessarily, you know, a lockdown bruiser or occupier in the paint, but Favors could at least, you know, be more agile and pick and roll and could shoot the mid range a little bit. So he's a better space player than Adams. And I think the spacing is just the main thing for me. And for young franchises that have a bunch of assets and young players and stuff, to me, the Pelicans have found their two guys, right? They have found Brandon Ingram is clearly just going to keep getting better. I would I would bank all my money on Brandon Ingram. The extension was the right move to do, all that. Yep. Zion Williamson, we all know how special he can be, health permitting. Please, God, let him be healthy. If I were the Pelicans at this point, I would just start building around those two and facilitating them with the right proper players around him. Because, um, yeah. Honestly, is- too, honestly, too, looking at it, if J.J. Redick wasn't struggling as much as he is, I don't think he'll continue to struggle. I think he'll get better. Yeah, no. As he'll, yeah. He's a historically think, great shooter. He'll be fine. Right. So, like, honestly, I think if he started and played more minutes, if you gave him Eric Bledsoe's minutes, I think they're a better team. Yeah, I would. I would agree. I would agree with that. And sure. I don't know why they haven't made that switch already. It's yeah. pretty clear that that's like they're they look so much better. I don't know what the minute what the exact numbers are, but they look so much better when Reddick's on the floor. Well, I went back and listened to our Western Conference prediction podcast, and I was list- I or I said um, I said that if I were the Pelicans, I would be looking to flip Eric Bledsoe right now before the yeah. season starts, and. Mm-hmm. It's getting harder and harder to flip them, <laughs> or for or the price is uh, definitely going up now to uh, yeah. get rid of it, get offload off of them, you know. Well, someone brought up the point, and I love this trade. Is the Pelicans going all in for Beal? That would be incredible. Like get rid of get rid of Bloodsoe for the salary stuff, and then just all the picks you got from the Lakers and every pick you got, give it to the Wizards for Beal. Speaking of the Wizards, I'm ready to do, um, you know how Bill Simmons and Cousin Sal, when they do their podcast, they do the cross-off list for NFL teams? I'm ready to cross the Wizards off. (laughs) I know it's early in the year, (laughs) but I'm sick of this team. (laughs) I am absolutely, Uh, like, I'm sick of them not playing defense. I'm sick of Russell Westbrook playing the worst basketball of his career. And yes, I know he's missed some games. I am tired of watching Bradley Beal score an efficient 50 or 60 points, by the way, efficient and still losing. Yeah. Um, I'm just, I'm tired of all of it. And I never I thought say- Scotty Brooks was, I never thought Scotty Brooks was an elite coach or a good coach. I think he's adequate, but like, He's been bad. Like, the whole team is just bad. They score a lot, and then they give up a lot, and they lose. And Westbrook and Beal should be in the midst of the playoff season in the East right now. There is no excuse. Like, just simply a simple statement, just looking at it like that way. Beal and Westbrook should be a playoff team in the East. And they suck. <laughs> yeah, it's – uh, I will say that they are fun to watch on offense – like when they get oh, going, yeah. they're really fun to watch because I love, I love how I love Bradley Beal too. Uh, I love, I love now that they have Rui back. Rui gives them a really fun dimension and mm-hmm. in transition and sort of like an inside presence and and 
I just love Rory. I, I love watching Rory play. Yeah, we've talked uh, about him. He, I like him too. Yeah. So, like, you know, I just like, I like watching them. But man, when it, they're one of those teams where you watch them. And if you didn't look at the score, you're like, oh, this game's pretty close. And then you go, oh, no, they're getting blown out. Yep. <laughs> you're like, what happened? <laughs> or they're, yeah. Or they're like, it's some, they're in some close match with a, with an equally bad team. And you're just like, what is, going on here you know <laughs> and it's like they yeah. they just don't guard anybody and now that thomas oh. Bryan is gone for the year with an acl and not that he was a great defender but he was at least an athletic big that could alter some stuff at the rim he's gone now so now it's mo Wa- it's mo wagner pretty much and you the know south bay lakers <laughs> <laughs> yep uh there's a lot there's a lot of uh, we talked about this before there's a yeah. lot of south bay, lot. bay lakers on the uh, wizards but they are just they are bad man and uh <laughs> but at least a at least they'll be in the Cade cunningham sweepstakes that'll probably make it easier to trade beal in the off season too yo i will say if you had a if you had a young core of denny Rui, and Cade, that's a fun young core Oh yeah, well, just Kate alone makes that <laughs> makes that group yeah. a lot a lot more fun. But yeah, like not just uh, Rui and um, Denny, but Troy Brown too. Like that's yeah. a that's a like I am such a I've always been a Westbrook centrist. Um, you know, ever uh, you know, ever since he came into the league, I love watching. I love watching him play, obviously, but like in terms of like the discourse and rating how good he is as a player compared to the other superstars in the league and stuff, I never quite got that far. There were probably so, a few years yeah. in his career where he could have been that guy, but like that's gone now. And it's just now that he's older, the fact that he's always been not a good defender is accentuated. And yes, he has always been overrated on that end of the floor. I would get in so many arguments with people about it. Like, yeah, he, but now that he's older, like it, nobody on that team can guard. And that's just, it's, it's, that's, that's probably why I don't have as much fun watching this team. Um, they're fun to watch on offense, but watching them just get layup after layup, it was Pelicans like in the bubble. I was getting pissed watching the Pelicans in the bubble is like, Okay, this is a layup line now. But what were you going to say yeah. about the uh, Wizards? Uh, I forgot what I was going to say with the Wizards. Oh, uh, the thing with Westbrook. Oh yeah, Westbrook. I, Westbrook. I always say I always say Westbrook is my one of my favorite players to watch in the NBA, but I would never want him on my team. Yeah, that's fair. That's like my my thing with with Westbrook of like, and it comes down to a pure fact here of when he played in OKC, there was no reason. There's no reason whatsoever that he should have more shot attempts than Kevin Durant in any context. No, in any in any scenario ever, like in some of those playoff games, he would take like 30, 30 shots and Kevin and like, Durant, Durant would have like, would like 19 like or 20. And I'm yeah. just like, are you shitting me right now? This is arguably one of the, if not the greatest scorer in NBA history and you're sitting here jacking up. I remember there was one playoff series against Memphis, one of the 500 times the Thunder and the Grizzlies played in the playoffs, and it was a road game. It was game four. I think it was the double overtime game in 2014, and Westbrook took a shot at the end of regulation. It was a contested shot. Durant was open. He wanted the ball, and Westbrook took the hero shot, missed it, 
going to overtime. And I remember TNT came back to the game and it showed Kevin Durant talking with, I think, Mo Cheeks. It was one of the assistant coaches. And um, you can hear Kevin Durant, Ke- Durant kind of mouth like, I, I wanted the ball. Like, what yeah. like what the hell and i i wouldn't want westbrook on my team like i if i were to build a team like they're like he to me like at his peak i'm sure russell westbrook would lead 50 win teams to the playoffs but i know my ceiling is going to be limited with that you know yeah and again it goes to the thing of i love watching him play i love him as a person and like the way he approaches the game and like his mindset and his attitude and like how hard he plays. Everyone talks about how hard Kobe, he plays. Kobe loves Westbrook, by the yeah. way. Like I, I love him as a player and a person. But man, I he is the most frustrating person to have when you're trying to win games. Yep. And it's so irritating to watch. I remember last year during the playoffs when Lakers were playing the Rockets, the Lakers just let him shoot. And it was so funny. I remember I took a screenshot of it and I tweeted it out and I said, hey, are you watching the Lakers-Rockets game right now? Because chances are you're the closest defender to Russell Westbrook right now. <laughs> because they just let they him let wide him shoot. Open. And the and the crazy thing is, like, whenever Westbrook loses in the playoffs, it's like always the most passive aggressive, like or like ugly exits, right? Like when he won MVP on the triple double year, the Rockets bounced him in the first round, and Pat Bev was just like and Pat Bev was, you know, talking his shit when he was on the Rockets, and Westbrook was just looking at him like, "Look at, look at the, look at the score. I have 40. And the Pat's like, "Yeah, but we're fucking winning." <laughs> like, what? Now, and fair, then I, I hate Pat Bev too. I think Pat Bev oh, yeah. is full of shit. But oh yeah. Also, I was just he's saying right. he was right. But then last year, you know, you when you the Lakers were about to bounce the Rockets in Game Five, and it was a blowout, and Rondo was pest. Rondo was doing his Rondo shit, where he was pestering Westbrook on the block, and then Westbrook was like, "You're gonna need a double," and Rondo's like, "No, don't double. I got him." And then Westbrook was like, "You you guys need to double me," and they were like down forty at that point. And I remember LeBron, who was also in the game, he was just hearing the conversation. He just started laughing. He's like, "Yeah, whatever. We're go. We're moving on." <laughs> it was so funny. He's just LeBron's listening to Westbrook and rondo like argue and westbrook's like you're gonna need you still need to double me and lebron's just like oh okay whatever dude (laughs) like it it was just funny but um yeah no westbrook is absolutely frustrating and then you know this is obviously just a me thing but like i have i have always i have i swear i've gone into like 10 arguments especially when i lived up in humble where i went to college where um where i am somehow Somehow I'm in the wrong for saying that Stephen Curry is a better player than Ru- a better player period than Russell Westbrook. And it's like, dude, you can't just get enamored by, you know, Westbrook, you know, gambling in a passing lane and stealing it and fast break open dunk and he's pounding his chest afterwards, right? Um you can't like you can't get coaxed by that so much. It's like Westbrook's a terrible defender. Um he's a great he he was a great player. I will acknowledge that, but how great relative to his peers? No, I'm sorry. <laughs> like he was never like, like even in his MVP year, I was like Harden and Kawhi. And you know, I eventually put Westbrook second towards the end because it wasn't the triple doubles. It was like the three week stretch where he put Just the team on his back. Team he, it was the Kobe stuff before he yeah. tore his Achilles. Like he put the team on his back and was hitting buzzer beater after buzzer beater. Right. But Harden and Kawhi, 
it's, it should have been one of those two, right? Like, it, it's just Westbrook's a polarizing player, too. And that's, I guess, with those type of players, that's just, it just is what it is. But we have to acknowledge the reality, like, especially I got, now. I think I would give Westbrook that MVP just because of the historic averaging a triple double over the course of a season is insane. But it is also, insane, I am, but I wouldn't give him the award just for that. You know, like I mean, I I understand. I could make the case either way. I mean, the thing is, I under I I tend to agree that there like Harden probably should have won that award. But I I I'm not mad at anyone for voting for Westbrook because of the historic nature of the the year that he had like it I, it's something where i'm like okay i can understand the president right where it's like some years and <laughs> Shaq brings it up all the time the steve nash years are really hard to argue when you look at like other numbers that people were putting up and you're like how did he win those like you you could make an argument for kobe Shaq, or duncan in those years that that nash mm-hmm. won his MVP. even one of i think dirk was even dirk I think one of, one of the I'm not sure I keep forgetting which Nash the first or the second but I think Nash deserved one of those MVPs I think Shaq over exaggerates like with everything he does one of them like, was Kobe's one of one of those MVPs should have been Kobe's because that was the year he led the league in scoring and scored like 36 points on like high efficiency and was carrying the Lakers on his back uh yeah I guess I guess but See, my whole thing with Westbrook is just pertaining to Westbrook. Like, to me, there were other reasons Westbrook had the case to be MVP. I honestly, I think the triple-double was cool. Um, And I'm definitely not one of those people that is like, oh, triple-double is just an arbitrary stat. People just uh, came up with that in the 60s because they they didn't know what else to do or whatever. It's insane that he averaged a triple-double, right? But yeah. I just I can't get past the fact that he was the first MVP, first player to win MVP on a sub fifty win team, right? Yeah. And then I mean, again, that's sort of the thing that I go back to of like, okay, he's doing all this, but they're still losing games, and like, I don't know if if you're the most valuable player and your team is losing, like, does it really matter what you're doing at that point? Yeah. But also at the same time, I do understand of like, my thing always goes to if you're your team like how bad is your team but and like by that argument then you like you could just give it to lebron james every every year because like if you take lebron off of his team their teams are usually pretty bad um Mm -hmm. but like you know i can go either way my point was like i can't i i understand the votes for westbrook getting that mvp more so than i understand some other mvp voting like the the year kobe won it was not the year kobe should have won it yeah it should have been chris paul yeah yeah the the year that kobe the year that kobe should have won was the one of the nash years i can't remember what it was but it felt like yeah so it felt like the it felt like the kobe mvp was like a makeup yeah the the bill simmons the 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 bill simmons uh, thing that he had about it is like kobe didn't win the right mvp that year but he had the right amount of mvps yeah yeah i i totally agree with that but yeah i i it it's not like the westbrook mvp is something where I understand why he won it and like why he was deserving of it where I, I I put him in, like I understand the argument for him and I can see like, okay, I'm not mad that he won it where there's some of them where you're like, 
bro, there's other candidates that should have won. You know what I mean? Like, there's other years where you're yeah. like, I don't know about that one. Yeah, like I said, the last three weeks of that season, Westbrook, like, moved up my inf- – I have I – fa- I uncovered notes that I took at college because I was a – or post-college because I'm a dork. And I, I was cleaning out my closet and found old notes. And I had – I remember, like, I had Kawhi crossed off – I had Kawhi crossed off and Westbrook at two and Kawhi at three um, just because of those last two to three weeks. Like he had some insane stuff. I do remember a Suns game though, where he was clearly chasing the triple double. And even the Suns announcer was just like, okay, this is just getting ridiculous. Like Westbrook was um, like players were boxing out and clearing the way, letting Westbrook get the rebound off. There was just a bunch of egregious shit going on. And, yeah. um, <clears throat> so that, that was, a that was just something I remember from that, but, uh, I'm not like, I'm not like mad, right. That he won the MVP. I no, just, I just don't know. It's just like a thing of like, where you look at it, you're like, man, I don't know. Yeah. Like, you know, I, I understand, like, I can understand it more so than the other one. Like, uh, the year that I was thinking of, I couldn't think of it at the time, but it's the, the Carl Malone MVP, the 1999 MVP. The, the 97 MVP, you mean? Oh, the 97 MVP. That yep. That year, <laughs> people literally that, got bored. Yeah, and, and not like, voted for Michael Jordan. They got sick of voting for Michael. <laughs> yeah, and so I don't understand. Like that one, you're like, I don't understand that at all. <laughs> like, yep. All right, I guess that's what we're doing. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I don't know who deserved that award, huh? Maybe some other guy. Right. But yep. uh, yep. You know, it's stuff like that, right? Like the Westbrook one, I can make an argument for it. I can understand. And I'm like, okay, cool. I get, I get why you voted for him. I'm all right. But like the, there's some other ones where like I, you have more of an issue where you're like, I, I just don't get it at all. Yep. Yep. All right. So yeah. Uh, anything? Any other? Any other topic points? Of oh, real quick, the Cavs, uh, the Nets are looking to try to get Andre Drummond, Kevin Love, or JaVale McGee somehow, some way. Um, yeah, that that doesn't surprise me. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, whatever. Any real quick, any of them are going to help. Any of them are going to make their is going to solidify their holes. They need they need some kind of big man, some kind of presence. Uh, uh, so I would get I would three, get I would get Javale, honestly. Yeah, uh, no, I wouldn't get Drummond or Kevin Love. That just takes the ball out of players' hands that deserve more touches than those two. Well, I would, my thing is, if you get Kevin Love and JaVale, then Kevin Love solves your defensive issue down low with JaVale and also gives spacing on the floor on the offensive end. I but, don't know if Love – I think Love at this point is a pretty terrible defender. Uh, at this, well, he's, okay, he still adds no. value passing and spacing the floor. I'll agree with that, yeah. And, and to me, he's still a, he's still a top-tier rebounder in my mind. Yep, uh, yeah. So He'll like, finish you know, the possession, the defensive possession. Well, after watching after watching what the Nets have done in the past week, yeah, uh, they can't any, yeah. any kind of rebounding would help. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. They ran James Harden in the front court. <laughs> Man, I am telling you, like people are still like, oh, I can't believe people are still talking about the Nets defense and the big three. Like it's not going to work. It's we're not so saying bad. we're not saying so offensively <laughs> it's not going to work, but defensively there are some real ass concerns. Like. They should not, like, they should be a favorite, but they should not be, like, a lock to come out of no. the East. Absolutely, Absolutely not. not. I am and not going to go that far. I brought this up to someone earlier where they're going to struggle against teams like the 
they're going to struggle against teams like the Celtics, like the Bucks, like the Lakers, like the top tier team. Yeah, the they're going to they're going to struggle against top tier teams that can s- not stop them cuz no one's going to stop them, but you can that can slow them down enough because they're not going to stop anyone. So like the only legitimate big man in beat is the only I don't think Embiid has faced like a legitimate matchup for him. Like they were supposed Jokic and Embiid were supposed to play, but COVID protocols cancel yeah. or basically ruined that game. But like, if you're seeing what Embiid is doing to the entire league right now, it, look at who the Nets have to guard that guy. <laughs> yeah, and again, it goes down to a thing where no one's going to stop them on offense. But if you can get a team that's going to slow them down to where. They're all, like the Nets defense is going to stop anyone. So this, the better the team can do it, slowing them down, they're just going to end up not, not being able to keep up mm-hmm. because, uh, because their defense isn't going to be able to stop anyone. Yep. And like, as soon as that happens, it just puts more and more pressure on your offense. And at that, like, it's so tough, even as great as they all are, it's tough to keep up with a team when you're not stopping anyone. Yep. They really have to score at an all-time pace if they want to win the title yeah. this year, which is but then it's we, possible, we of into, course, with these we guys. We run into teams like the Sixers, like the Bucks, like the, the Celtics, Heat, like the Bucks. Like Do you the see Heat. what Bam Adebayo is hey. doing this year so far? Yeah. Did you see him uh, just like 20 minutes ago try to hit the man uh, – that was checking into the game. <laughs> no, I did. I I haven't been. I haven't been able to. Uh, there was a, tune in there's to a the clip game. going around. There's a clip going around. He has the ball top of the key where he usually has it, mm. and uh, one of his guys is running to the scorer's table, ripping off his warmups. Oh, and he, uh, to it. He, he sees out of the corner of his eye as like a cutter to the three point line. <laughs> yep, and and, uh, and tries to hit him. <laughs> 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 and he hits him. He nails him. But uh, no, nah, he's out of bounds. Dude. Well, no, dude. It, it brings like when the Heat played the Nets the first time. Bam gave him forty-one. <laughs> like, yeah, they the Nets have nobody to stop these guys. <laughs> and dude, Anthony, that's going to be their big Davis weakness. And Embiid are going to have a field day. <laughs> They're going to wreck shop in there. Like again, we talked about last week. They couldn't stop Nikola Vucevic. No, yeah, they could. Vooch, Vooch was going off. Vooch I tore him up. Thirty-four and ten, or something like that, and was just making yeah. everything over them. Like honestly, are okay. Real talk. Do you trust them to beat like consistently beat a team like the Pacers? Yes, I do. The Pacers, yeah. I don't know. It's a bonus. They, the this. Pacers could. The Pacers will probably. The Pacers will probably take two games or it'll be like a two, two tied series. And everybody's like, Oh, is this it for the, uh, I think the nets win that one in six or five pretty easily right now. I don't know. Cause the thing is like, I, I have no doubt that this, the nets win that series, but I think the Pacers make it real tough for them. They probably would in a few games, but uh, I just think the Pacers, they don't have, I know they have Sabonis, and Sabonis has taken the leap. He'll probably have a really good series, but like I, when the Nets game plan for that, I don't know if the Pacers have enough perimeter isolation scoring in the half court, especially in the playoffs when everything gets well, like, condensed. If, if Karis comes back, right? You think yeah. Karis comes yeah. back, and then you have TJ Warren. Brogdon's been great this year. 
Yeah. So, I mean, like, they have enough firepower where if you play through Sabonis and let him make the play, mm-hmm. there's a lot of supplementing things that if they get hot, like, we've seen the Pacers get hot. If they if they get hot, mm-hmm. they're a tough out. And especially given they're young, they're scrappy, they play good defense, they have the size, they have multiple bigs to throw at them on multiple units. I don't know oh, if... Oh, yeah. They're a solid team. They're, they like, are a really solid team. And I, I, don't, I don't think they're a better team. I just think it's a really bad matchup for them, yeah. for the Nets. Yeah. And when you watch them, you go, oh, I don't know. Like, I think they should win, but mm-hmm. I don't know how hard it is for them to win. And if you're having... Tr- if you're taking, say, like, they're the second seed and the Pacers are the seventh seed, and if you're exerting that much energy to beat a Pacers team... And then still have to go through the gambit of the, the rest of the East, which is probably the what the Sixers, the Celtics, the Bucks, mm-hmm. whatever else you're running into, coming out of that series. I don't know if they get out, get to the finals. Yeah, like yeah, like we were saying, like they're not a lock to come out of the East. Um, I know I was singing the Pacers' praises. They have been struggling recently, but they're still a solid team, and I still want to see them full strength. But yeah, they're they're a really good team. I just think. It's one of those things where I still see the Pacers as a slight tier below or a tier below the other three teams where um, if they matched up against the Nets, I would not be so I would not have answered your question as quickly as I did. I just think the Pacers, they have a they have an advantage. They can go to Sabonis. But at the end of the day, I think the star power for the Nets is too much for the Pacers, whereas that would not matter as much. Uh, for the Sixers, Bucks, and Celtics, who have star players at positions where the Nets will just get destroyed at, um, or better players at that position. So, bonus, I don't think is. I want to see. I want to see actually how he does in these playoffs with him being the guy for the first time. That's the other thing too. Um, but yeah, that it would be a tough series for sure. I would. I wouldn't. If they beat the Nets in the series, I would be shocked. But. If you told me why, or you know, we watched the series and we figured out why, then it wouldn't be surprising. Uh, it would be less surprising, I should say. Again, I, I think they, I think the Nets win, but I think it's a tougher series. Like it, to me, it's like the it would end up like that Clippers Mavs series where everyone just thought the Clippers would roll them over, and you're like, yeah. no, this series is tough. Like they, they could lose here really easily. Yeah, Clippers have big wings; they could shut down Doncic, yeah. all that stuff, and then the Mavs ended up giving them a tie series. That type with of no Porzingis and, yeah, a, and no a, Porzingis. A limping Luka. Yep. No. Yeah. I could definitely like. I, I could definitely see that with the Pacers Nets. But um. But yeah. Um. Before we go, I also wanted to say I am really looking forward to the Lakers Sixers game on Wednesday. It's the Bob Bowl. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but uh, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing Joel Embiid wreck Anthony Davis like he always does when they match up. The few times they've matched up, <laughs> but no, uh, you I am scared of the Mark Marcus All because he's still the Embiid stopper somehow. He's like the only big in the league that's been able to stonewall Embiid so in the post. <laughs> I feel I feel so bad. So this is like small rant about Marcus All. I feel so bad because Marcus All gets a ton of Laker hate by casual Laker fans yeah, because they don't understand what he brings to the game and they mm-hmm. don't understand how good he is because they just see like, oh, he's missing shots or he's getting fouled or like he's fouling or whatever. One, he gets a lot of cheap fouls called on him because he's so big. Yeah. Where he's going straight up 
but people are bouncing off of him and they call a foul and you're like he's going straight he's not even moving his arms yeah. are up mm-hmm. like what do you what do you want for him he's just big then he gets a lot of he doesn't get any calls because again he's so big people are hacking the shit out of him and no one like they just don't call it because he's so big and then when you watch him he makes some incredible reads that don't turn into assists or stats but make an offense flow so much better yeah yep yeah and and you just and the thing is too i want him to shoot so bad he has so many wide open layups and threes. shots that he can shoot and threes that he just doesn't take because this was he's the problem with selfish. raptor raptors fans had this problem with mark uh, and you're like dude just take these. You can make them. They're yep. wide open. Just take them. And he's like, nah, I'm going to make a better pass. And you're like, what? Mark, please, just shoot. And then and then all of a sudden, Laker fans get pissed off at him. Like, casual Laker fans get pissed off at him because you're like, he doesn't do anything. It's the worst signing we've ever made. It's like, dude, we signed Luol Deng. What the fuck's wrong with you? <laughs> <laughs> By the way, you guys then, are still paying Luol Deng. Yeah, we're still paying Luol Deng. We signed Timothy Mozgov, okay? So don't talk shit on Marcus Gasol. I'm a yeah. I'm Mark Sol- I dude, you like, are fired up. Damn. People don't understand how good he is where and I don't get this either. Maybe you can explain this to me. Why do centers keep trying to go at Mark Gasol straight up? You're not gonna do anything. He's a mountain. You're talking to somebody who knows this all too well. Like Mark Gasol is literally Embiid's kryptonite. Like for some reason, Embiid has had like two good games against Mark Gasol in his entire career. Like we watch bigs, I don't understand. Like Jokic was trying to do this. Uh, I forget who. Else, like someone else was trying to do this, and I go, dude, why are you trying to like? Mark is just standing there, going straight up. He's too smart to foul you. He's not going to foul you. It's funny when Jokic does it too, because he's like, I'm just going to use my doughy size to back you down and get get the shot or pass I want. And Marcus Saul's like, I too was a former doughy boy. I know what to do. <laughs> yeah, he's like. <laughs> He's like, I was born in the doughy. <laughs> you were molded by it. You were merely molded by it. <laughs> you know, he's like, and it, it's so funny to watch people. And I just go, I look at that and I go, do they know it's not going to work? Like, why do you yeah. keep trying to body him up? It doesn't work. He's too you big. You got to get him out in space. That's the thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I no, yeah, I, I, I get it. I don't um, get it. Yeah, that Marcus is one of those like the casual part of the fan base is just gonna rip him because they don't like you said they don't see him shooting or scoring as much, especially now at this age, stage in his career, um, fouling a lot. Like the dude's only gonna what is his minute count right now? Like what like twenty five minutes a game? Like that sounds about right for a center that's as old as he is. I do think there is legit. I do think there are valid concerns about not having the vertical rim protector yeah. like you rim protection that you guys had last year but the defense once again is number one in the league you guys have the seventh best offense per cleaning the glass and you guys aren't even fucking trying so yeah. <laughs> um someone, someone told me too like someone was laughing i was laughing so hard someone was saying I, someone post some random post on my twitter i, I made a, like a laker comment of like well this is the kind of game we lose blah blah uh when we lost to the warriors and like i always take those kind of losses as good losses where it's like yeah we got to learn to not take our opponents easy and like i i i hate winning games or like eking eking out games we should blow teams out in because like we should be blowing teams out like we can't win games like this Mm -hmm. it's just going to teach bad habits later on 
And so I love, I like, I actually enjoy losing games where we just don't try and we don't earn it. And so I tweeted something like that out and some rando responded of like, Oh, and you guys think you're the best team in the league and like blah, blah, and the nets, like all this shit. And I was like, I didn't even respond to it. And I was thinking about it. And I was like, man, do people like this even watch the game? Nope. Do they, under- do you- do they understand the Lakers effort level at this time? <laughs> yeah. Uh, there's a lot of people like that on not just Twitter, but the world in general. So such is the, just- such is the story of basketball discourse. Like Bill Simmons. Oh wait! Oh my God! Don't even. Dude, Bill Simmons thinks LeBron's trying. This is as hard as LeBron's tried in his whole career. That is such a. That is such it. And look, I have no. Okay, so in this case, I have no doubt Bill Simmons watches Laker games because he lives in L.A. But I am convinced he had no idea what he's watching, <laughs> like, <laughs> because LeBron could not give less than two shits. <laughs> he could not give. He, if he tried to give more of a shit, he could not. <laughs> right now um he'll wake up here and there anthony davis i think has also been coasting um a little bit um but it's fine they're gonna be by the yeah. playoffs we're it's just so, gonna be it's so funny because i'll watch lebron and my dad gets pissed too when he watches him he's like stop fucking smiling like you're losing or like you just missed a dunk like stop smiling about it and lebron's running down the court fucking happy go lucky he didn't give a shit he's just running down the court. <laughs> Like he'll take he'll take like a stupid turnaround three point shot airball it and then smile it down the court running down. Yep. <laughs> You're like what the fuck are you doing? Yep. Uh, that that's. I mean, I'm not worried about the Lakers at all. I mean, I know you're not either, but I mean, no. you know, just let just let people do the Abe Simpson old like old man yells at clouds stuff. Not talking about your dad or anything in particular. <laughs> I'm just talking about people in general doing the yell at the sky thing with uh lebron and marcus all and the lakers are a really good basketball team already so yeah it's terrifying it's terrifying anything else uh nope uh i got a heart out in like 10 minutes so we should we definitely i don't want to uh speed it up but we should definitely wrap it up (laughs) because i gotta get ready for work gotta pay the bills oh baby all right guys so thank you guys for listening uh sorry for the downer and we hope that uh you know us talking about kobe has given you a uh a little bit of a a break and and sort of brought up bad memories but also good memories of of watching kobe and and the inspiration he was and sort of the icon that he was but also listening to us rant about ben simmons and marcus all and all this Mm -hmm. stuff absolutely Uh, get a good time and uh thanks for listening the B.O.B.